0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church Recently, a study asked some individuals to tell them what the world needs And there were no rules, there were no limitations They were just instructed to say the first thing that came to their mind And so they asked them the question, what does the world need? And here are some of their responses One person said, what the world needs now is more free Wi-Fi. I would say that's somebody in touch with with current times, and 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 so they said the world needs more Wi-Fi. Another person said what the world needs now are more avocados, so that guacamole at Chipotle isn't so expensive. It's a real answer. That's what they said. Another person said what the world's what the world needs now is more cowbell. That's for all of you SNL fans. Other people in the room, you have no idea what we're talking about. It's okay. One person said, what the world needs now are more women who date men. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that was a single man that suggested that. And that's okay. That's okay. Somebody else said, what the world needs now is more karma and less drama. Some of you are like, I don't know how I feel about that. Exactly. What the world needs now are people who spend more time enjoying life and less time on social media documenting it I think we struck a chord there yeah I like this one somebody said what the world needs now are more winning lottery tickets I don't play the lottery. I'm not encouraging you to do it. But if you do win, just remember your church, okay? That's all I'm asking. We will receive the tithe off of that. And, and finally, my favorite response was this one. What the world needs now are less stupid people. Amen. And in this room right now, there are hundreds of different answers to this question, what does the world need? If I was to go around this room, you would give me a variety of answers because we're all passionate about different things. All of us, uh, we're, we're driven by, by things that, that, that maybe your neighbor is not, not you know, in tune with. Maybe, maybe that doesn't pull at their heartstrings the way it pulls at your heartstrings. And so we have a variety of answers all over this room. The headlines this past week were filled with suggestions of what the world needs And they change depending on which news source you're reading. And so during my preparation, I went and started reading different news sources, even the news sources that I don't normally read the news from. It's no secret that there is a migrant caravan that is traveling through Mexico toward the U.S. border. Depending on which news source you're listening to, one source may say we need open borders. The other source may say we need closed borders. I'm not debating that today. I'm just telling you. They are offering suggestions on what the world needs. We know that the midterm elections are just days away and the headlines tell you which party is wrong for this nation and which party is right for this nation. Again, depending on which news source you're reading or listening to. Vote red, vote blue. No response, please, Just, just, we know that there were 11 victims that were gunned down last weekend at a Pittsburgh synagogue. And so we have some people saying we need stricter gun laws, and we have others that say, no, defend my gun rights. And if the political hot topics are not enough, then we have these natural disasters that, that we have to be concerned with. We have hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, droughts, floods, and we are bombarded every day with bad news. There is not one person in this room that has not heard bad news over this weekend, especially for us Gator fans. There's just bad news, it's bad news. Bad news for you Georgia fans too, you have to play Alabama, but let's keep moving, okay? Matthew chapter 24, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. I wanna read verses one through 14. And it reads like this As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings But he responded Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another Later Jesus said on the Mount of Olives his disciples came to him privately and said tell us when will all this happen what sign Will signal your return and the end of the world Jesus told them don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah they will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars but don't panic I want to stress those words but don't panic yes these things must take place but the end won't follow immediately Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who, dur- who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and the end will come. I love the contrast that Jesus shares with his disciples. He begins this conversation with the news that the temple is going to be destroyed we know that according to history about 40 years later in 70 AD that the Romans seized Jerusalem and they completely destroyed the temple just as Jesus predicted to his disciples Jesus then tells them that there will be some people that come in his name but they are far from being him they don't have the heart and the mind of Christ he said they're gonna come in my name but, but don't be deceived by them. He says there are going to be wars and threats of wars. There will be natural disasters is what he says. Then he says that some of you are going to be persecuted and some people will even be killed simply because you are associated with him. Just because you bear the name Christian, just because you say I am a follower of Christ, I'm a disciple of Christ, you will be killed for that reason. He said that some of his followers will turn away from him and betray and hate each other. He said sin will be everywhere and love will be scarce. If Jesus was not describing the days that we're in right now, I don't know exactly what he was describing. Because everything that he said we are seeing come to pass. But he didn't leave it there no he he makes us a promise that those who endure to the end will be saved is what he says if you have the strength and the endurance to make it to the end then you will be saved and then he says this listen to verse 14 he says and the good news say good news news. say it again say "Good good news He says, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. It's very important that you understand the events and the timeline of these events that Jesus is sharing about. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've even said it yourself, these are the signs of the times. You ever heard that? You know, maybe you heard your grandmother say that or something. Maybe some of you, this is how you know you're getting old, is when you start saying that yourself. <laughs> these are the signs of the times. And usually what we're referring to, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, what we're referring to is that the world is so bad right now that these are the signs of the times. And, and, and Christ is going to return soon. And so we make a statement like that because the world is so bad, these are the signs of the times, and, and we should expect the return of Christ soon. It's interesting to me that Jesus makes it a point to stress that the bad news events do not usher in his return. Notice that. He said in verse 6, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. I think sometimes we're so focused on the bad news. We're so worried about the bad news and what's going on in our world and in our society. And we focus all of our attention around that when Jesus said, that's not what ushers in my return. He said, the end of days is not going to happen right after all of that. The wars, the threats of wars, the natural disasters, the persecution of Christians, none of these things, according to Christ, bring about the end times. No, what brings about the end of of this life and the return of Christ is good news being preached throughout the whole world. He says, then the end will come. Listen, if you're excited about the return of Christ and, and you're ready for it, start sharing the good news. He said, that's what ushers in my return. When the good news is shared over the face of the whole planet, that's the signal that I'm on my way back. Jesus will receive his church upon good news, not bad news. Instead of good news, some versions may say the gospel. Maybe that's what your Bible said. And the gospel simply means good news. I want to teach you some Greek this morning because I know you woke up this morning and you thought, man, I would love to learn some Greek today and that's why you came to DCC, right? So today I want to teach you a word. The original Greek word that is used there for good news or the gospel is euangelion. Just say it with me. Say euangelion. The prefix eu, e-u, it means good, pleasant. It's where we get the word eulogy from. This week, I I have the opportunity to perform a memorial service for, for two different families. During that time, we will present a eulogy. We'll talk about the deceased person and we will offer some positive, good remarks about them. When I was a youth pastor in Tampa, the first seven, maybe eight funerals that I did, I did not know the people personally at all, never met them. You want to talk about something hard to do? Try doing a funeral for someone you've never met before. And the first seven or eight I did, it was like that. And and the reason it was like that was because our pastor, who was a very busy man, it it was a large church. And so he only handled funerals that were directly connected with our church so if you had a family member and they needed someone else he thought well my youth pastor is very capable i'll allow him to do it and so that's where i came in and he and and so my first seven or eight funerals you know were were people that i I had never met well i did this one funeral one time someone that i had never met and nobody in the family could give a eulogy. No one could supply information for a eulogy. Nobody had a nice thing to say at all about this person. We get to the funeral and only a few family members show up. And they don't want to be there. They don't like each other. They didn't like him. Matter of fact, I was the only person that said anything positive about the man at all, and I didn't even know him. It was an awkward, awkward day for me. I've never had an experience like that before or after. It it was just a strange, strange day. But a eulogy is a good word that is said about someone's life after they died. Now, the second root word is angelion. Say angelion. Angelion. It, It means message. It's where we get the word angels from. You see... Angels are messengers. Anytime you read of an angel in God's word, the angel is a messenger. Angelos are ones who deliver a message. And you put these two root words together and you get euangelion, which means good news. Church, let me tell you what the world needs right now. Good news. We've got enough bad news everywhere we turn there is bad news and and we are inundated with 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 negativity and we have this constant flow of blame and guilt listen to me church this is not the way god designed it this is not tree of life living This is living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where we are constantly pointing fingers and we're constantly blaming and we're constantly pushing guilt onto people. This is not the kingdom of God and so many Christians are adapting to this because this is our society. I knew this was not going to make me a popular preacher today. I knew it. I knew it. But you need this. Not only are people subject to the negativity of headlines and world events, they're also dealing with their own personal bad news. So they turn on the TV, there's bad news. They open the newspaper. You know what those are? Okay. Digital newspapers online. They open up the websites. They, they read its own apps. They get notifications on their phones. We're inundated with, with bad news constantly. Then they go to the doctor. And what does the doctor give them? Bad news. Suddenly, they're behind in their bills. The bill collector's calling, and he's, he's giving them bad news. The last thing that the world needs is more bad news. The last thing that they need is the church adding fuel to the fire. And we are at a critical crossroads with the worldwide church. When I say that, I don't mean just us. I mean the worldwide church. Jesus instructed us that when the bad news is prevalent then that's our cue to preach the good news. How many of you would agree with me right now that the bad news is prevalent by a show of hands? Yes? The bad news is there. And he said, when that happens, that's your cue, that's your moment. Take center stage and preach the good news. Some of you are about to feel really convicted or completely ticked. It's your choice, however you want to do this, but it's up to you. By the nature of like-mindedness, most of my friends on social media possess the same belief system that I do. That's not what you're going to get angry at. You expect that out of your pastor. But because these are my friends, and they, most of them have the same belief system that I do, I get to see their posts, I get to see their shares, I get to see their tweets on social media. In church, it's discouraging to me to see how many believers thrive off of cultural and political strife. See, the politicians, they don't want me to preach this today at all. Because they are constantly sending negative mail to your mailbox. I mean, it, this week, it's going to be full of that. You know that, right? They're spending lots of money. To share bad news it's discouraging to see how many of us within the faith how many of us that are believers that we thrive off of this political and cultural strife we live in a society right now where it's okay to be offended even though Christ taught against that But we we thrive off being offended. We have too many Christians that they would rather stir the pot than seek the peace. And that's a problem. Stop. Listen to me. Just stop because you're not helping the kingdom of God. You may think that you are, but you're doing more damage than you are good. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers for they are called the children of God blessed are the peacemakers you have to ask yourself was my last conversation at work was it was it making peace was my last tweet was it making peace the last thing I shared on Facebook was was it creating peace because blessed are the peacemakers for they are called children of God and if we're not careful we become Christian pessimists that concentrate on how bad the world is rather than the good news that we are mandated to share we will have like 12 people here next week. I know this. <laughs> Listen to me, church. The world has enough bad news. Try good news for a change. No, I'm serious. Take me literally. If you want to see change, try good news. Try good news for a change because Jesus said it's going to work. So what is the good news? What does this look like? What, what are we talking about when we say the good news? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 reads, Now brothers and sisters, I want you to remember the good news. Say good news. Listen to what Paul's saying. He said, I want you to remember the good news I told you. You receive that good news. You receive that good news message and you continue to base your life on it. That good news, the message you heard from me is God's way to save you. But you must continue believing it. If you don't, you believe for nothing. He goes on to say, I gave you the message that I received. I told you the most important truths that Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say, that he was buried and raised to life on the third day, as the scriptures say. Listen to the most important truths that Paul shared with us. He said, First of all, Christ died for our sins. That's the most important truth. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised to life three days later. That's the good news, church. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate this. Why do we want to argue with someone about social issues when they don't even claim to be a Christian? What we need to be doing Is sharing with them those essential truths that Paul just said. He said these are the most important things. Christ died for their sins. He said, that's the most important thing. Christ died for their sins. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. Now listen to me. If you can convince me that there was a man that walked this planet. He lived a life that was sinless. They they killed him for his belief that he was the son of God. And three days later, he rose again. If you can convince me of that, then I'll lend an ear to you. And we can start talking about where where our political divide is at. If you will convince me of that, then I will lend an ear to you and, and we can can start hashing out some of these differences but here's what we're trying to do we've got, we've got the cart ahead of the horse we've done this so backwards we're trying to argue our points and then expecting them to come to Christ in the end all we've done is stir the hornet's nest Share the good news of Jesus Christ that he died for their sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. Have those conversations and then let's clean them up later. I think the church is scared of discipleship because discipleship says, I want to win you to Christ no matter what you look like, no matter what you sound like. You see, there's people in this room right now that I have intentionally befriended. They don't post things that I would post. They don't say things that I would, they don't believe the same way that I believe. But in order for me to have any, any say so in their life, in order for me to convince them of anything otherwise, the first thing I've got to do is introduce them to their savior, Jesus Christ, and convince them that he died for their sins. Once you convince them of that, Then the discipleship process begins. And I'm afraid that the church is just scared to death of what discipleship looks like because we don't want to get our hands dirty trying to help others grow in Christ because winning the loss gets messy. It's extremely messy. And most of the time, their sins are forgiven at the moment that they meet Jesus, but they still need someone to disciple them. Think about the disciples. They were with Jesus for three and a half years. And at the end of three and a half years, when he was arrested and was was on trial, they all scattered. They did not see it the way Christ saw it. For three and a half years, they are being discipled by Jesus, but they still don't believe the way that he does. Why are we so backwards at this? What the world needs is good news. And you've got the good news you know what the good news is they don't and he said when when your world is inundated with with bad news that's your cue church stand up and start talking about the good news a few months ago I received a phone call from one of our city officials that I, I did not ask permission so I'm not going to share his name. But he wanted my input on the possibility of a Hindu temple coming to Newberry. I had heard some some talk, I had heard some rumors about this, and apparently a few citizens were voicing their concerns and not wanting this Hindu temple in our area. And I immediately recognized what was happening, and I explained to him that there was some confusion between Hindu in Islam this is not going to make me popular with some of you today, but but I want you to hear me till the end Okay, listen close to me. I told him I said I Can tell you in a small town like Newberry there's some confusion between Hindu and Islam and when there's when they're hearing Hindu All they're hearing is Islam and I told him I said we have to 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 understand that these are two different religions I was afraid that some of these uninformed citizens were just simply confusing the two. Now I want you to understand this and I want to make sure that everybody in the room hears this. There's only one way to heaven and that's Jesus Christ. You understand that, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He he made that plain. But I also understand that there are some differences with, with some of the false religions that are out there. And I told him, I'm going to be very honest with you, I told him, I said, I would have concern if you were telling me that there was going to be an Islamic temple, a mosque here in, in Newberry. I said, but I'm afraid some of your citizens might, might be a little confused on, on what's happening. And so we might have to educate a little bit. And he asked me this, he said, so does it bother you that a Hindu temple may be coming to Newberry? Now, what I told him I think shocked him, and and I'm about to shock some of you, but hear me out. He said, does it bother you? And I said, if you will quote me correctly, I don't mind if you share this with the commission. I don't mind if you share this publicly, but quote me correctly. I said, no, it doesn't bother me. I said, it doesn't bother me. I said, because I want you to bring them into my, my city. I said, I want them here. The phone was silent, and I said, I want to rub shoulders with them. I want to see them eating in a restaurant, and I want to pay for their food. I said, I want them to see the love of Christ so thick in my life and the love being extended to them that at the end of the day, they can't lay their head on their pillow at night without thinking, what did that man have that I don't have? Jesus said, when you hear of bad news, that's your moment to stand up and share the good news. So no, I'm not scared. I want to see Hindus come to know Jesus. As a matter of fact, I want to see Muslims come to know Jesus. Now I'm not welcoming their mosque right now, but we'll talk about that later, okay? I want to be part of them coming to know Jesus Christ. I see this as a divine assignment. So, church, don't walk out of here and 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 join the the, the, the debate, okay? Because I can't wait for the citizens of Newberry Forum to get a hold of this one. It's gonna be entertaining, I promise. I will be the guy putting the, 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 little, you know, gif up of, of Michael Jackson yeah. eating popcorn. Yeah, I'm just there to watch. Just bad news, bad news. No, some people see this as bad news. I see it as a, see it as an opportunity to share the good news. Isaiah 52 and seven says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Listen to this. In the Old Testament days, they would put a watchman on the wall. And the watchman would watch off into the distance. He would look at the mountains. He would look at the hills. And when his his city, when his nation was off at war, They were waiting on the messenger. They were waiting on the angelos, the messenger to come. And he could tell by the way that he was running if it was good news or bad news. If he's sluggish, if he's tired, if there's no adrenaline, it's bad news. But if he's running with vigor and he's excited and he's got the adrenaline behind him, then he's coming to share good news. And Isaiah said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. I'll tell you, church, what the world does not need more of. We do not need any more political propaganda. We don't need any more legalistic mindsets in the church and we certainly don't need any more opinions Because opinions are like belly buttons Uh, You thought I were going somewhere else And everybody has one, right? The world needs good news So here's your homework. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. Okay. Here's your homework. I want you to do this This week and what is possibly the most political environment that you will see that the climate of this week is going to be crazy. Your homework is to stay away from negative posts, tweets and shares. This week, it's good news. And I'm not just talking about social media for this week. Don't lend yourself to spreading bad news. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's your homework. The world needs good news. Share it. It's up to you. And that's the mandate from our leader. Share the good news. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.